let's open to uh, 1 Timothy once again. We'll be in 1 Timothy. Thank you so much, Michael, for leading us in worship. God was and is truly glorified in that. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to just read one verse. I'll tell you what, it, it normally doesn't come to me very quickly when, uh, when I'm preparing, but it's like God laid this message on me, and it was it's straight from the throne of God. I'm telling you, it normally does not come easy to me. He, he has to hammer it into my brain, and it's like he just laid this one right in front of me. And so I thank him for, the, for that, and I praise him for that. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let's stand for the reading of God's great truth. This is the truth. It says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth. Boy, that's a great, that's a great start. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Be an example of someone that... Uh, that has a saving faith. They believe in Jesus. Be that kind of example, he says, of someone like that in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Six things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. It is the truth, as chapter 3 says. Lord, we thank you. Once again, and we've thanked you for this before, but we sure thank you for it this morning that you have not left us here to just fumble through, but you've, as you gave Timothy clear direction, you've given us clear direction. And Lord, may each one of us, myself included, apply your truth to our lives. Lord, would you have your perfect, perfect way this morning? You teach us once again to, to uh, seek your perfect will. And so, Lord, we seek that this morning in each one of our lives. May you be glorified in everything that, that is, uh, is said. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, Paul had left Timothy in Ephesus. He had traveled on up to Macedonia to spread the gospel. And Ephesus was a difficult place. And so, there were all kinds of, of temples, temples to false gods, uh, it, it was an idolatrous place, and that's where Timothy is. Uh, there was false doctrine all over the place, and as a matter of fact, as we said last week, it, it seems to me, uh, the more I read 1 Timothy, that there were people in the church, in the church, that were involved in some of those sins, possibly, that are mentioned in chapter 1, down about verses 9 and 10. If you were to look there, you would see there's a, there, he lists some sins. And it, it has the feel that there were people in the church that were involved in some of those and trying to justify their involvement in that. And I feel like, now the Bible doesn't, doesn't come out and say this, but I feel like, so this is my opinion, I feel like that was, uh, was some of the false doctrine that was trying to creep in, trying to justify those sins, trying to justify their involvement in sin. And so Paul instructs Timothy, whatever the false doctrine was, Paul instructs Timothy, you, you've got to put a stop to that. In chapter 1, verse 3, that's what he's, he's talking about. And in chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through 20, that's the context. He is saying, look, you have to put a stop to that, that false doctrine. This sin is serious serious business. And so that is the setting. Paul is all the way up into Macedonia. Uh, that's where Alexander the Great came from. He's up there. He's spreading the word, spreading the gospel. And Timothy is back here in this very, very difficult city. Uh, and he is in, in the church in that very difficult city. And that doctrine is trying to creep in. It's just clamoring to get into the church. And so um, it's within that setting that Paul gives us chapter 3, which was, uh, you remember as we went through that, we looked at the church leadership. Okay, that's the setting of that. Paul is not just writing aimlessly. He is, 
He is writing what the Holy Spirit is telling him to write. And so in chapter 3, we have the leadership 101 of the church. More than likely, there were those in the church involved in those sins that were trying to get into the leadership. Maybe they were in the leadership. And Paul says, look, here's what those leaders have to look like. Here's what they have to, and he uh, delineates all of uh, the, the requirements, the qualifications for those involved in the pastorate, those involved in, uh, in the deaconship. And so we have that right here. And also in 2 Timothy and also in Titus, those are the three uh, pastoral epistles. Now, last week we looked at two very, very important uh, principles, biblical principles, and they're found in the last portion of chapter 3. And uh, one of those is that the church, now this is crucial, the church is the, and you'll remember this from last week, the pillar and the ground of, and it says, the truth. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And that is in uh, verse 15 of chapter 3. And also we looked at the uh, fact that Paul says, great is the mystery of godliness. And so we'll refer back to those two things. Great is the mystery of godliness. Now, I want to tell you, so, so that we don't forget it, uh, some, if you're like me, you have to hear things over and over and over. I mean, that's just the way I am. You know, I, I have to, uh, uh, you know, I can read really fast, but I won't understand what I'm reading if I read real fast, so I have to read it over and over and over and over again. You know, I'm, I'm kind of thick up here, I think. And so uh, I, I want to be sure we have a firm grasp of what he's talking about when he's talking about godliness that he mentions in chapter 3, verse 16. It's a reference to a word, and th uh, this word is involved in that godliness, and it's a word called piety. Have you heard that word? Piety. And what that's a reference to is a Belief in God, so when I talk about a belief in God this morning, it's a belief, it's a saving belief. It's a belief that Jesus is the Savior. God has sent Jesus in my place, in your place, to die for us, to take our, uh, the penalty of our sins. And then he, he died, he rose again, and we place our hope and our trust in him. I have called on him to be my Savior. Have you called on him to be your Savior? I did that when I was 12 years old, sitting on about the back row, just about the back row of a Baptist church, and a guy preaching, uh, he was preaching, uh, I think he was preaching about hell, and uh, I knew right away I was lost, and that's where I was headed, and so, uh, but we're talking about a, a saving faith. On that night, I called out to Jesus to be my Savior, Lord, save me. And uh, that's the saving faith. So when we talk about godliness in verse 16 of chapter 3, he's talking about a saving faith, someone that believes in, in God so strong that it shows up in the way they live. It shows up in the way they live. And so it's with that context that we go into this verse that we read this morning. Okay, And it says in chapter 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers. And here are the six points this morning. Be an example of the believers in, and he mentions six things, word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So there's six things, six points we're going to look at. So be an example of the believers in word. That's the first one. Now, so... Remember now, those two points from last week, those two points that the, the church is the pillar and the ground of truth, and great is the mystery of godliness. Okay, so keep that in mind because it, he's not changing gears here. And let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 4. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4, and we'll just come down through here real quick. It says, Now the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly, that in latter times some shall depart from the faith. Okay, and in these latter times, there's going to be those that, that deny the faith. They say, no, I don't believe in that anymore. Having, uh, excuse me, uh, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They're just going to turn from the faith. Okay, and uh, they're going to say, no, I don't believe that anymore. Forbidding to marry, 
and commanding to abstain from meats. Okay, they're going to come up with these ideas. Commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Look at verse 4. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word and prayer. Now what he's talking about there, there's going to be those, and there were those, and Paul, Paul talks about these over in Romans. He's talking about those that say, well, I can't eat, you can't eat that meat that's sacrificed to idols. And Paul says, look, it's, uh, that's just meat. Those idols are nothing. That's what he's, he's saying. He goes ahead and clarifies that in, in Romans and says, needless to say, I don't want to offend my brother. If there's someone weaker, then I, you know, I won't eat the meat. But that meat is it's just meat. And so he says you can eat it, even if it's sacrificed to idols. Verse 6 says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus, of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Verse 7 says, But refuse profane and old wives' tales, or old wives' fables. In other words, don't get yourself involved in this, all this little, these sidebars that are, you know, Satan's going to try to distract from the truth. And so he says, Refuse profane and old wives' fables, rather, and exercise thyself unto, and there it is, Exercise thyself unto godliness. That's the belief. That's the same word that he mentioned over in chapter 3 and verse 16. In other words, a belief in God, it's so strong that it shows up in what I do. He says, it shows up in my life. So he says, uh, exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do bodily exercise. We should. We need to keep ourselves fit. But in comparison, bodily exercise isn't even, even on the board when compared to godliness. And that's the idea here. He says, but godliness, in verse 8, is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. He goes on. Paul goes on. He's telling Timothy. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He said that a few other times in here. He says, for, there, for, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. And he goes on and tells Timothy in verse 11, he said, these things command and teach. You've got to command these things. You've got to teach these things. And that leads in to this verse, let no man despise thy youth. Now the word despised, I looked it up, here's what it means. Despise means Disdain, you have disdain for some, uh, someone, uh, to think little of or nothing of someone, kind of a disrespect of them. Kind of reminds me of a guy I saw yesterday. Now, I'm going to take my coat off right quick. Uh, I'm just a little, uh, little warm. I've, for some reason, I thought it was cold outside, and so I put on another shirt. I have two shirts on, and so I'm just, it's not, we don't need to turn the air conditioner on or anything, but I am overdressed and I, I walked outside, and I thought, I am in trouble. But yesterday, you can tell I went to get my hair cut. And uh, anyway, I was there, and, and I, I'm just so glad I went because I had the opportunity to sit next to someone. It was a long waiting line. I was down at Ardmore, and uh, I had my grandson with me, okay? And any time I get a chance, I, I want to... I want to be with my grandchildren. I want to pour my life into them. I just think that's important. And so I'm sitting there with my grandson, and he's ready to go, okay? But this guy is talking to this other guy, and his wife is sitting there. You know, I'm sitting in here crammed up, you know, and there's a, and this guy starts talking to this, this other man, and, and they're probably my age. You know, probably a little younger than me, okay? And, uh, but the guy's talking about his son, and he says these words. He said, telling this other guy, he, and his son is standing right there. And he said, yeah, he doesn't do anything. He said, he's, he's worthless. He just, you know, he just lays around all the time. And I'm thinking, this poor kid. I mean, you talk about the disrespect. My dad never did that to me. I, I'm telling you. I, so when I see that, I told my grandson, I said, oh, 
that is just not right. He just shouldn't be talking to, his, to someone else about his son. If he got a problem with his son, he needs to talk to his son. And so, uh, anyway, but the disrespect. So, the idea here where he says, Paul says, let no man despise thy youth. It has the idea of let no one disrespect your youth. Okay? Now, youth in this case, let no man despise thy youth, could be someone younger than you. Okay? Now, you know, no matter what, I, I think I, I've told a couple of guys in here before that no matter how old you get, somebody's always going to say, well, you're just a pup. Okay? There's always someone younger than you. And, and you know, uh, I'm 61. Well, there, there are people that just, oh, you're just a pup, you know? And, uh, but that's just the way it is. So youth in this context is a reference to someone younger than you. He says, let no one despise your youth. And so remember now, Timothy was not this 15 or 16-year-old kid. He had been, he, when he started with Paul, he was a youth. I mean, he was someone maybe about that age. But he's been on a mission field now for 15, over 15 years probably. Okay, around 15 years, we'll say. He is a seasoned missionary by this point. And so uh, he says, let no one, let no man, no person despise thy youth. But be an example, he says, of the believers. Example of the believers. The word example, I looked it up, it means this, the mark, okay, the pattern. You be the pattern. You be, you be the mark that they shoot for, the example to be imitated the example to be imitated now ultimately the example we all need to imitate is Jesus Christ amen we need to imitate Jesus Christ and so Paul is telling Timothy look you be the example you be the mark you set the pattern you be the one they imitate you follow Christ and that's what Paul says about himself you remember this verse over in Ephesians I believe it is where he says look follow me as I follow Christ now, I'm not sure where that verse is, but it's in there. Follow me as I follow Christ. See, being an example is crucial uh, to God's way. Now, look what it says. Be an example of the believers in word. Now, that's the first one this morning. So, word. In, the, the meaning of the word word means speech. In our speech, uh, what someone has said. All right? Now, I want you to go back to verse 2. Look at verse 2 of chapter 4. It says, uh, speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. There is a close connection in that verse with what someone is saying and their conscience. Remember, God has given each one of us a conscience. Okay? It's like a moral filter. It's like a, uh, it's this filter. Whether you're saved or unsaved, God has given us a conscience. Moral filter. And what happens is, uh, you know, when, when I was a young man, I mean a, a real young man, there's times I didn't listen to my conscience. You know, almost like touching a hot stove. You know, as a matter of fact, if um, you can ask me about them later, but I, I know my mom and dad said we, we had one of those floor furnaces when I was really, really small, when I was crawling, and I know they said, look, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. And I, I would crawl right up there to it. And so I have on both hands, I have a note written on this hand. And on this hand, you can see them clearly. I have scars from when I was a little bitty baby. And I crawled up there on that thing and uh, it nailed me. But oftentimes what will happen is we can touch a hot stove and then pretty soon we can get to where it doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother us. And so the idea there in verse 2 is these people weren't listening to their conscience and they're just speaking uh, hypocrisy, speaking lies. And so um, it's almost like this. I just thought of this. Uh, this. As a matter of fact, this person that I'm about to tell, I, I won't tell you their name, but they're in sulfur. Okay, they're over in sulfur. And they said this. Uh, this was a young man talking about his wife. Okay, talking about his wife. And he said, she doesn't have a filter. She just says whatever comes to her mind. You know someone like that? I mean, it's just, it just rolls on out, no filter on her mouth. And I couldn't believe he was saying that, but uh, the damage, you know, that's done in relationships, uh, little comments and all that. 
But the words, he says, be an example in our words. So whatever is said needs to be true. Whatever we say, it's got to be the truth. But I th- as I was studying this, the verse that I kept coming back to is Ephesians. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want. It's Ephesians 4.29. I'll read it to you. Ephesians 4.29. It's a beautiful verse. It says this, because it, it really sums up us being an example with our words. It says in Ephesians 4.29, let no, means absolutely no, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that means building up someone that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let me read read it again. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, years ago, I was thinking about this as I was preparing, and... uh, I was a youth pastor, and we were about to uh, take a group of kids snow skiing. And uh, this has been 30, it's been 30 plus years ago, 30 plus. And so I had this, uh, this uh, husband and wife, and they were going to go as sponsors. Their child was going, and so they were going to go as sponsors. And so my wife and I, we were in Shawnee, and uh, my wife and I, decided to travel with them up to, uh, it was Twids Sporting Goods. You remember that up in Oklahoma City? And we were going to get some snow skiing gear, okay? I hadn't been snow skiing before. So we were going to get some snow skiing gear. And so we traveled up there. And on the way up there, I'll never forget this. This man, now I was in the front seat with him. and, uh, And my wife was in the back seat with this woman. And he was disrespecting her, I mean, talking in a way that I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, my. And I was a young man, and I, I didn't know what to do. Uh, now I'd probably say something to him. Look, buddy, you know, I don't think you should talk to her like that. But I just, I didn't know. It stunned me. And the disrespect, now I'll just tell you, they didn't weather that storm. It just, uh, they didn't make it to this. Uh, right now they are divorced. Uh, they just didn't, they couldn't weather it. Because of the disrespect this man had. So uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that means building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So husbands and wives and relationships within the church, listen again to the words of of Ephesians 4.29. No corrupt communication. That means absolutely No belittling. I'm talking to every one of us, myself including. No belittling or or, uh, uh, trying to get even. You ever do that? Try to get even with someone in your words? No, the the goal is no corrupt communication, but we're going to be an example of the believers in our words. See, the enemy wants to divide. The enemy is into dividing people. He's into dividing churches. And so oftentimes that can be done, he knows, through what someone says. And so the goal is to be that example. As a matter of fact, uh, I wrote this down because ultimately I need to do more of this, and that is praising God with my words. Look over at uh, chapter 1 and verse 17. That's That's exactly what Paul was doing. He was writing to Timothy, but look at verse 1. Or verse uh, 17 of chapter 1, he says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory forever and ever. See, with our, with our words, that, that's what our words need to be about, glorifying God, edifying the saints, encouraging the saints, encouraging believers. So the first one this morning is to be an example of the believers, of someone that believes they have a saving faith. They're, they're, they're that, they, they believe that strongly, and it shows up in how they talk. Okay, now look at the next one. Be that an example of believers, of the believers in conversation. You see that there in verse 12 of chapter 4. Now, the word conversation is interesting. The word conversation means manner of life. So it mentions conversation, but it's not talking about what we say. It's talking about a manner of life. It means conduct. It means behavior. It means deportment. Deportment is 
the conduct of, of a person, uh, of, a, uh, of someone, how a person con- conducts his self, herself. So it's talking about the manner of life. So in context, if we go back to chapter 3, and we see the example that the pastor, the bishop, the, the elder is supposed to be, the deacons. If you go back to chapter 3, and you look at those, look at chapter 3, verse 2. It says, a bishop then must be blameless. Remember what that means. Nothing that anyone can hold on to, that someone could say, aha, I gotcha. Okay? They must be blameless. See, we need to be blameless. That's the goal. All of us need to be blameless. Look what it says. The husband of one wife. Now, the idea there is, and we talked about this, it is a one-woman kind of man. Okay? He is faithful. He's faithful to one woman. That's the kind of person we need to be, a faithful person. We're faithful to God. He doesn't have things pulling on him from every direction, but he can commit his time to God. Uh, sober in verse 2 of chapter, I'm in verse 2 of chapter 3. Sober, that means serious about the ministry of God. See, that's the conduct we need to have. He says of good behavior. That means he's an organized, his, his life is organized. It's not flying apart. Given to hospitality. That means a lover of people. He loves people. See, that's the kind of conduct we need to have. Uh, apt to teach. Okay, now that's in the master section up in the, the uh, bishop section. But seriously, can you not lead someone? Can we teach them about Jesus? Can you tell someone about Jesus? See, that's, that's the meaning there. Uh, look at three. Given to wine. That means not uh, addicted to wine. Not, not addicted to anything. No substance. And I emphasize now, uh, we should have nothing to do with alcohol. We should have nothing to do with that. I know of a, a ministry. Right now, as we speak, I know of a ministry in Texas that I'm telling you, their downfall is going to be alcohol. Even the leader of the ministry is, is promoting that. Promoting, uh, promo- he's, he's doing the drinking. And the rest are following him. And the, the sheep will follow. And so uh, uh, the direction from Scripture, and oftentimes, remember this now, people use that, that, uh, that par- the, the uh, miracle that G- well, Jesus, he, uh, he turned water into wine. Remember, he did the very best. The governor of that of that uh, marriage ceremony even said, oh, you save the best to last. That means it's unfermented. Our Lord would never cause someone to sin. Remember, the inebriation process starts very, very quickly. So the idea from Scripture is get away from it. No striker. He's not a fighter. See, that's the kind of conduct we need to have. Not someone that just is ready to bup. Uh, not greedy of filthy lucre. That means we're not, uh, we're not greedy of money. But patient, we're patient. Not a brawler, not covetous. See, that's, that needs to be our conduct. So listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. I want you to listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says this. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. I'll read it to you. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So same word. He says, uh, be an example in conversation. 1 Peter 1.15 says this, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now listen to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. This is a powerful passage. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. I'll read it to you once again. It says, having your conversation, that's the same word, That means conduct, having your conduct honest among the Gentiles. That's a reference to those that are unsaved, those that don't have saving knowledge. Having your your conduct or your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they uh, they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, by your conduct, which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. They may see your conduct. They may see you as as an example and glorify God. See, 
Remember, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. The truth, see, the, the church is the, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And here's what's going on. is God is trying to reach everybody with the gospel. He's trying to reach Ephesus. He's trying to reach Macedonia. He's trying to reach Davis, the people, that person that is in the darkest, deepest corner of Davis, wherever that is, the darkest, deepest corner of Sulphur, the darkest, deepest corner of Chicago, the darkest, deepest corner of California, of North Korea. See, God's trying to reach them all. It says in chapter 2, down about verse 4, he would have everyone to be saved. That's what he wants. Now, you and I know from Revelation that that's his desired will doesn't necessarily happen. Now, there is a part of his will that will happen no matter what. But when you bring in the human element where we have a human choice, we have a freedom of choice to receive him or not, there's going to be some that just don't receive him. And that breaks my heart. It breaks the heart of God. But he is trying to reach people. That's what this is all about. And here's what he's doing. He is using the church. See, we're in the church age. The church has not always existed. He's using the church during this age to reach those people. That's one of the big things he's using. And that's why he says, look, be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He says, you've got to be an example. He's reaching people, and he wants, to, he wants to reach those right here. So he's using the church. So that's the first two. We're to be an example in word. We're to be an example in our conduct. He says, be an example in in charity. That's the next one. You can see that in verse 12. Now, charity, I looked it up. It is the the Greek word agape. Here's what that means. Charity. It means affection. It means goodwill. It means love. It means benevolence and also brotherly love. What we're talking about here under agape, under charity, is we're talking about what it means to truly love someone. What it means to truly love someone. Now listen, you know the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it lists numerous things, numerous verbs. Love is action. It's not, I love you and that's it. It's not words, it's action. And, and, and the Bible describes that. And so, you, could, you don't have to turn there now, but in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 13, it says charity, it's talking about love, it's talking about this kind of love, it's the same, same word, charity is kind. See, that's a, part of being, that's a part of loving someone. Charity is kind. Charity is patient. Love is patient. See, it's a verb, it's action. As a matter of fact, it says uh, Love or charity thinks no evil. That's what it says. Thinks no evil. As a matter of fact, it says charity never fails. It never fails. So see, that's that's the kind of love that we're to be about. It's that love that is kind. It's not rash. He he uses a uh, a term uh, being puffed up. It's not it's not a, a love that's puffed up. I didn't get my way. So, uh, you know, it's a one-sided, or it's a, you gotta, you got to do what I say or I won't love you. It's not that kind of love. It's a love that is I love you, and there's action behind that. That's the kind of love we're talking about. Now, here's what Jesus, uh, Jesus says. Write this verse down. John 13, 35. John 13, 35. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you as well. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If we have, what is it? If we have love one for another. If we have love one for another. See, by this shall all people know. This is not just talking about those in the church. By this shall all people know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. Now, once again, we're talking about 
our, our God is seeking the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Uh, and, and by the way, he's seeking those that are the most unlovable. And he's using the example of those in the church and how they love one another. He's using that example to reach them, to reach them. So uh, do you see the mission that you and I have been called to? You see that? We've been called to it. It's a high calling. And so the enemy, that's why the enemy of the cross is uh, going to try to tempt everybody in here, myself included. He's going to try to tempt us to be selfish. He's going to try to tempt us to, uh, to say things we shouldn't, to, to divide our families, to divide our, uh, to divide, divide our church. But that's exactly 100% diametrically opposite of what God's mission is. His mission is to reach everybody. He does that through the example of believers in word, in conduct or conversation, by their example of love, how they love one another. And then let's look at the next one. Be an example of the believers in spirit. Do you see that one? You see it? Okay, the, 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 uh, this is a reference to the Holy Spirit. This is a big one. Reference to the Holy Spirit. I looked it up in the Greek, and that's how I know it's, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. It's the, uh, the Greek word pneuma. It's P-N-E-U-M-A. P-N, the P is silent. It's the Greek word pneuma. That's a reference to the, the Holy Spirit. If you were studying the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, you would be studying pneumatology. Okay, so it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what I'm saying. I have access to a number of translations. Okay? And so when I'm, when I'm uh, uh, studying for a sermon, as I did this one, oftentimes I'll, I'll just look over and into these other translations and see what does that translation say because it's very interesting so there were two translations and I could have looked in more but I looked in two translations that left this one out okay so the reason I said do you see that one because as I'm reading this okay it says in verse 12 let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit. There were at least two translations that left that one out. Okay? Now, if, if I'm reading that and you don't see that in yours, then I would advise you to take the appropriate action. Okay? You've got to take the appropriate action. And so I'm telling you, the Word of God, and I've told you this before, it is under attack. The Word of God is under attack. And it has been from the very beginning. Remember when, when Satan said to Eve, and now did God really say that? Did he really say, uh, you know, if you, if you eat of this or if you eat of that tree, you're going to die? Did he really say that? See, the Word of God has always been under attack, and it is vehemently under attack today. And so what you'll find is you'll see these translations, and they'll, they'll leave things out. And that word being left out is a big deal. There's also one over where he's, he's in the wilderness, or he's in the, and he's being tempted. And, uh, and I can't remember if it's in Mark or it's in, it's in Luke. It's one of those two. And uh, there's a whole, in that same, in those same translations, that whole thing where Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know that? You know that verse. So there's those same translations leave out that last phrase, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we've got to be careful and know that uh, we're not being duped as we read what we're reading in the, in, the, in the book we hold in our hands. So being an example in the Spirit has the idea of this. Okay, It means being controlled by the Holy Spirit in such a way that we make our decisions based upon the truth. So 
being fi- you've, you've heard people say, oh, well, you know, this person's filled with the Holy Spirit. The idea there is not that, and we've said this before, the idea is not that uh, somebody got more of the Holy Spirit. So when you and I, when I was saved when I was 12 years old, and when you were saved, the Bible teaches that you were sealed, that you and I were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to get more of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how that happens. But I trust this, that it says it happens. But we're not going to get more of the Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Spirit that day. Okay? The idea here is being filled with the Spirit, being an example in the Spirit, is that the Spirit gets more of me. In other words, I have committed to following this. See, the Holy Spirit wrote this. So there's a commitment to following this lord i want to do what you say see that is being filled with the holy spirit we're desiring the holy spirit to have his way in our lives so uh remember now it's always a choice and i know we've talked about that but it's always a choice am i going to follow god or am i not the way we follow god is we're we're obeying the holy spirit we're we're following what the holy spirit says here in his word. So be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit. And then be thou an example of the believers in faith. Oh, I love this one. But in faith. Now, faith here has the idea of faithfulness. Faithfulness. It, it has the idea of this the character of one that can be relied upon. As a matter of fact, when you look it up in the Greek, it has this word, fidelity. In other words, so he says, be an example of, uh, of the believers in faith. He's talking about a fidelity. Okay, now what does fidelity mean? It's a loyalty. Be loyal to God. You see that? Be loyal to God. Now I want you to refer back over there to chapter 3 when we're talking about the, uh, the qualifications that a pastor must meet and the qualifications that a deacon must meet. He has to be the husband of what? One wife. And remember, the idea there is, and we've talked about can he be divorced? Does he have to be married? The idea there is he is faithful. He is faithful. That's the whole idea. And see, that's what God wants out of us faithfulness to him loyal to him that's what that word uh in faith means it's it's uh, a person that is loyal now i want you to think back think of the first of the ten commandments you remember that i am the lord thy god which have brought thee out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage now you know this part thou shalt have no other God before me. Remember that one? That's the first of the Ten Commandments. He says, no other God before me. Now, Jesus says it like this. Now, he is God. He says this. This is Matthew. Write this one down. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind that's all in other words number two is not even on the page you know what god says you got to love i'm you can have no other gods before me that means the thing you have second on your priority list is not even on the page with him it's down the list so far he is lord and we're faithful to him Loyal, that's what it means. This is an example to which you and I have been called to be faithful, to be loyal to God. His faithfulness is high. You should look at, uh, I think it's Psalm 36. If you were to look at Psalm 36, it would say his faithfulness reaches to the clouds. That means it is high. You can't even see it. It's so high. It reaches to the clouds. He is faithful, and he, he wants us to be faithful to him.
loyal to him. That's the idea. Now the last one, purity. Oh, this is a big one. Purity. Example in purity. Example of the believers in purity. The idea there is a, a, a sinlessness. That word is hard for me to say. I run into my teeth when I say it. It is a sinlessness life. Sinlessness. See, that's the example of which God has called us to pursue. Sinlessness. See, it's seriousness about sin. Not flippant. Not playing around with sin. See, God God sent His Son, Jesus, to redeem us because sin had a grip on us and was pulling us into hell. It's, he's, he's serious. He is not going to cause someone to sin. So the idea here is, is a seriousness about sin, not flippant, not playing around with it, not hiding sin in our lives, uh, some secret sin nobody knows about, uh, not embracing sin, but running uh, full steam in the opposite direction from sin. And when we do sin, because if you hung around me long enough, you would know, man, this guy's got a long way to go. But I want to I, I wanna, I pursue that. But I think if I hung around you long enough, one day we might find the same thing out about each other. We're sinners and we need help. And so we pursue God instead of embracing sin. And when we do sin, the idea here is we immediately, in light of, of uh, 1 John 1, 9, we go to God and confess it. He says, if you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And remember, it's the word sins. It's plural. It's not just God, I'm sorry for my sin. It's God. He, he uses in 1 John 1, 9, that word is plural. It's sins. Confess your sins. So when maybe you say something that you shouldn't, Lord, I'm sorry for what I just said to that person. You may need to go and apologize to that person. Lord, I'm sorry for how I just looked at that person. I'm sorry for my attitude, Lord, that I just had. What, whatever it is, we confess our sins. That is a high calling, I'm telling you. It is a high calling to be serious about being sinless. Now, we're going to still sin. I'm telling you, we're in this flesh, and that flesh pulls hard on us. It's a high calling. But it's in, it's in this, that text, it's in this, this whole thing that Paul writes to Timothy, and he gives the verses of 3.16 where he talks about great is the mystery of godliness. And, and then in verse 7 of chapter 4, see what it says? But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself unto godliness. In other words, we are following him. We're, we're, we believe strongly in him, and it's affecting how we live. That's the idea. We're not running around in sin and being an adulterer to God. We're sold out to him. That's the example that he wants for us to pursue so, the church, God is, is, is trying to reach people. He's trying to reach everybody. He's trying to reach Kim Jong-un. I know, I know you've heard me mention him a few times, but I'm praying for that man. I'm praying for those in the deepest, darkest corners of, of North Korea and all over the world. He's trying to reach them. Antarctica, if there's anybody down there, whoever that is. But we, we in the church... We're to be examples of the believers in word, in conversation, our conduct, in charity. That's how we love. It's action. In spirit, we're following what the Holy Spirit says. In faith, we're loyal to God all the way. And then in purity, we're trying our best to follow Him and not to sin. And when we do, we go to Him quickly and immediately. Now, talking about being examples because God is trying to reach those who are lost. And, and by the way, they're all around us. There may even, be, may even be some in here this morning that have never asked Jesus to be their Savior. 
They've never asked him to be their Savior. See, is that your heart? Do you, do you want to reach people for him? The reason I ask is because that's the heart of God. He wants to reach people. He wants, he wants to take everybody to heaven. That's what he's after. He's after reaching them. If that's not your heart, I, I beg of you, please, 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 please change that this morning. Please change that. Here's the heart of God. Let me give it to you. This is the heart of God. He loves you. He will forgive you whatever you've done. And He will give you a new life. Give you a new life. Once you ask Jesus to be your Savior, He will give you a new life. Now you may say, Brother Craig, everybody already thinks I'm a Christian. They already think I'm saved. And I'm sitting here in the pew and I'm, I'm lost. Could I tell you this? It doesn't matter what they think. None of that matters. What matters is, what does God think? What does God think? As a matter of fact, He may be using you to help pave the way for somebody else. They just need to see somebody else go forward. Or somebody else to say, hey, I received Jesus last Sunday. They, they just may need to see that. So the, the thing is, you just need help from above. But here's the question. Here's the question. Do you have a heavenly home right now? Do you? Do you have a heavenly home right now? So that when your last day on this earth comes, and by the way, there are some in here that can attest to this. Sometimes that comes real quick, unexpectedly, that last day on this earth. So when that last day comes, do you have a heavenly home that you know you can go to, that you're going to go to? If not, please don't leave here this morning without receiving Jesus as your Savior. As Brother Michael comes on up, we're going to have a time of invitation this morning. Now, you can receive Jesus right where you are. Uh, maybe you're a Christian and you've not been being the example you need to be. Then would you change that today? Because there, there's more to this church age than just, oh, we're in the church and, and we're, you know, we're saved. God is trying to, he's trying to reach people all over the place, right here in Davis. And he's using the church to do that. Let's stand together. Lord, I pray that this morning you would have your way in every single heart that's in this building. God, that there would not be anyone leave here without receiving you as Lord or without rededicating their life to you to be the, being the example you've called them to be. They can do that right where they are. Or Lord, if, if someone needs to come forward, would you help them to do that? In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. So